You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Mic check one, two, levels are good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. It's a Friday edition, and these are my favorite because, dude, it's Friday. And even though I am self-employed and I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want, I still love Fridays. I still love the weekends, and uh, I don't know, man. I'm going to be on a boat a little bit this weekend, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yep, I'm fired up. Anyway, hey, we have a really good podcast today. We're going to be talking with new friend and new member of the Sportsman's Empire, Ricky Bruley. And uh, the dude, he works for Vapor Trail. He's the marketing guy at Vapor Trail. But he is a passionate outdoorsman. He loves to bow hunt. He loves archery. Actually, he was a competitive... He shot on Bowtech. I believe it was Bowtech's pro staff for several years so he's uh he's an archer he's a bow hunter he is the guy who he really goes out to chase meat from the sounds of it he likes big deer just like all of us uh, big antlered animals but i think it sounds to me like his priority is filling the freezer and a lot of guys are like that man and i love that i love that about him and so uh, it's a really good episode we talk about his youth we talk about, here's an interesting fact, uh, and you're going to listen to him explain all this, but he recently was diagnosed with ADHD, and he uh, talks about how archery helps with that and how he feels that more kids with ADHD should pick up archery because it forces them to focus. And so I can't help but agree, man. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's a really good conversation. So awesome Hunter Profile podcast coming down the pipe today. Uh, real quick, I'm going to knock out, you know, these brands that help support me. Uh, you know, the Nine Finger Chronicles has always been a free podcast. Uh, so I really do appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to download this and also listen to the commercials because ultimately this is how I get paid. This is how it remains free uh, to all of your ears. And uh, I really appreciate that. So if you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. Um, Tethered has the new lockdown and uh, I'm really looking forward to using it this year i've already been messing around with it so uh i am i'm jacked about getting up in the tree and just hanging from a saddle this year being ultra mobile especially on my out-of-state hunts and uh so if you're if, if you need more information about the lockdown and all of uh, tethered products go visit tetherednation.com wasp archery uh, i'm just going to say this that's what i hear in my brain and it maybe it's uh like a, a psychotic episode or something like that but that's the music that i hear whenever i think of wasp and their made in america heads so do me a favor go to wasparchery.com check out all of their their heads 
just a badass uh, head uh, mechanicals and fixed blades that I feel confident in. Discount code NFC20. NFC20, 20% off. Go check it out. Just got some new uh, Vortex gear in the mail. Uh, they have a badass hoodie available now. It's it's freaking sweet and it's soft and it's it's like it just fits really perfect. And so uh, vortexoptics.com, go check out all the gear that they have. Go check out uh, vortexoptics.com, their gear and all their optics, obviously, right? Take advantage of their VIP warranty. And the only thing to do is just go visit the website and learn more. Code Blue Sense, man. Uh, this past week, uh, weekend, I now have one, two, three, four, five mock scrapes out. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing if they take and I'm going to be able to use them in my hunting strategy this year, man. So uh, the, if you're if you're interested in the Code Blue Sense, then you need to go to their website, CodeBlueSense.com, and check out the Rope-A-Dope. That's what I used. It's an orbital, uh, the orbital gland. Uh, you rub it on the rope, and you make a mock scrape underneath of it. And also listen to Troy Pottinger's episode where he talks all about mock scrapes. And so uh, Code Blue discount code NFC20. They have synthetic scents. They have real uh, deer urine. They have like laundry detergent, deodorant. They have uh, scent elimination sprays. So when it comes to scent or scent elimination or scent protection, you need to go check out Code Blue. Uh, Woodman's Pal, dude, I used the shit out of that thing. And I mean, I'm hard on my equipment. And it's awesome, uh, the durability. It's made in America. It's been a, they've been a company since 1924. No, no, excuse me, 1944. Uh, and they, it's a, it's a habitat tool. It's like a machete, and it allows you to just hack and clear out areas. Uh, it's awesome to have in your pack, keep in your truck, woodmanspal.com. And then last but not least, Huntworth. Oh, man, take if you're if you're listening to this on Friday, there's not very many days left to go to the Huntworth website and take advantage of their Black Friday in August sale, their preseason sale. Uh, it's only around for a couple more days. I'm thinking it's 20% off. So go to the Huntworth website, take advantage of it. Dude, they have some awesome, awesome gear that uh, I'm sure you guys will love. So and it and it's very affordable compared to some of the elite brands out there and you're getting uh, the the guy the guy says 80% 80 to 90% of the the quality with 50% of the price compared to some of the other elite brands that are out there. So go check out Huntworth. <gasps> Woo! We're done. We are done with the commercials. Appreciate it. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. Uh, if you have any questions or you yourself want to be on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, hit me up. Uh, I try to answer every DM that I get on Instagram. Uh, so go hit me up. Tell me uh, that you got a cool story. And more than likely, I'm gonna, if you can talk English and you don't get too nervous, we'll be able to have a conversation and uh, I'll get you on the podcast. So uh, good vibes, man. Let's listen to this episode with Ricky Bruley. Three, two, one. All right. Today I am joined on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast by Ricky Bruley. Ricky, how are we doing, man? Good. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing good. And I even had Bruley 
<laughs> so I so I said your name right. I I, I uh, there you go. They call that fanatic or uh, what's that called? Phonetically. Phonetically. Yeah, right. Yes. I Very wrote, close. I wrote your name fanatically, <laughs> <laughs> and that just tells you how much of an idiot I actually am. So yeah, whatever you got to do, man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Ricky Bruley, how you doing, man? Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, just uh, getting off a weekend. My uh, my wife is an artist, so she had a big art show this past weekend, and so hanging out with uh, hanging out with my daughter most of the weekend, and just doing a bunch of yard work and you know, getting ready for getting ready for spring season here. Heck so. yeah, dude. Yeah, man. What kind of? I, I'm now. I'm curious. Your wife's an artist. What kind of art does she do? Uh, mostly watercolor, and then she also does some acrylic stuff too. So as far as the watercolor goes, it's all very natural, t- like rocks and feathers and sticks and stones and okay. stuff like that. That's the titles of a lot of her work is sticks and stones. Okay. And then uh, she also does some acrylic work of, um, uh, you know, some uh, women paintings and then others that are more abstract yeah that they kind of they kind of look like uh, they're called patterns of the soul but they kind of look like the rings on a on a tree okay um when it's you know cut uh crossways or whatever or um what's the word i'm looking for <laughs> yeah i i know what you're talking about i know what you're talking yeah. about here let me tell yeah. you a quick story i really enjoyed art class uh growing up absolutely loved yeah. it um, mm. went to college and started taking art classes or started taking oh. an art class. It was the most right basic, m- the most basic class. Mm. And I got a C minus in the class <laughs> and the, and the art teacher said, you know, some people just don't have the eye. And I'm like, oh, wow. how is that? That's the dumbest thing that I, I I've heard because one dude taped a banana to a wall and like the the attention that that got was like millions and millions and millions of uh, people saw that and it got all this attention. Yeah. Like, oh, what a breakthrough piece, man! That's just a break. I'm like, and I and I get shit when I just make a really bad painting. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, some some people's definition of art is different, obviously, right. you know. But um, I I, I kind of feel you that feel you in that area too. Uh, yeah. It's part of what got me where I'm at was I was the same way. I really loved art class. And mm. I do agree. It does take a certain degree of an eye, but it's mm. not, that doesn't mean you can't learn it. Exactly. You know? um, exactly. So that's, I, I don't know. That, that's kind of upsetting that, that the teacher would say that, but nonetheless, uh, you know, I agree with you. Yeah, some art is just not, I don't know if you could call it that. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and, and so after that, I, I started doing like different styles of, uh, oil paintings and man, I, at one point I had like a hundred of them in up in my attic. And finally I just and threw them, th- flew, uh, threw them away. There's a couple still in my house of, uh, some of the favorite pieces that I've done, but, um, man, I, I tell you what, there's something about art that's really that that is a lot like archery yeah where whenever you're doing said craft you're not thinking about anything except doing said crafts and like when i'm shooting my bow that's the only thing i'm thinking about i'm not thinking about the stress in my life and all that stuff and so focus exactly exactly so yeah you you can just drown in it it's absolutely it's awesome absolutely that's a cool little tidbit about you man i didn't know you were mm-hmm. didn't know you were an artist so that's yeah, well really cool. i'm not an artist according to her according to my <laughs> that teacher i'm not an artist so um so where okay you work for stokerized and vapor trail archery correct that's right 
All right. What's your, what's your job? Yeah. Uh, well, currently I'm the creative director and mm-hmm. I basically just worked my way from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was previously working for sportsman's warehouse and, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of my first adventure into the outdoor industry. I always been really passionate about the outdoors, but graphic design, uh, was my, was my trade mm-hmm. at that time. And so, you know, just as a starving artist back then, you know, you had to pay the bills somehow. Right. right. So I was just working, you know, full-time at sportsman's then kind of was working my way up into a management role. And, uh, then the store that I was working for, or actually all of the stores in Minnesota closed down in, I think it was 2009. And so I had already established a relationship with the guys at Vapor Trail, mm-hmm. you know, cause we were selling their strings and cables and arrow rests through the store. Yep. And so I had gotten to know them. And then, so when that happened, I just reached out and said, Hey man, I need a job. And so I, I had already kind of been building bow strings on the side, uh, from time to time. Yeah. And so then I just jumped in and started working full-time right away. And then just, again, kind of worked my way up. Um, I was looking at some of the graphic design stuff, their catalogs and some of that kind of stuff. I was like, hey, it looks like you could use a little bit of help there. So yeah, started doing that kind of as a side gig uh, on my own time. And then so then it just kind of grew into uh, into where I am now. So awesome. I, I essentially take care of everything on the marketing side of things things publication advertising video editing yeah. um, i did bring in a a, a, um, a very talented individual his name is damon wolf i brought him in this year to uh, create some content for me he's a very good photographer mm-hmm. uh, videographer all that kind of stuff so i brought him in uh, and he's been uh, really just kind of giving us a fresh new look this year so yeah, that's, been that's a lot awesome of fun. that's yeah. awesome it's that's from a marketing standpoint i would say that would be the hardest thing would be some kind of rebranding because you're known yeah. for this certain type of thing. And now yeah. you have an option to make. Do we, do we switch things up? We kind of be, uh, you know, we create a new look, a new edge. What are our old current loyal customers going to think, you know, what are our new customers going to think, you know, are they going to be like, Hey, what are these guys trying to do? I'm out of here. I yeah. always, that, that whole dynamic seems, uh, is, is very interesting to me from a, from a marketing standpoint. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, a majority of our customers, I would say, are probably anywhere from, you know, mid 30s to mid 50s, somewhere in there. And Mm -hmm. so definitely trying to pivot and look at uh, ways to market to the younger crowd, to millennials, Gen Z, that kind of thing. Um, And it's funny you say that because this morning I was just reading up on a ton of marketing articles on, on different things that companies have been doing. Um, to appeal to those uh, generations. And so hopefully we can start bringing some of them in. And that's kind of what we're hoping with the podcast as well. You know, mm-hmm. just again, creating some brand awareness. You know, we've been around for a long time, but again, we've got those two generations that are kind of sticking with us. And then yep. the newer generations don't know about us. So we yep. got to try to figure that out. So everybody who's listening, look for Ricky Bruley to be on TikTok doing those dances to get some some traction, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. TikTok is one of the ones where I've you know I've gotten on there a little bit for the yeah. vapor trail side of things, but man, it's I don't know, it's it's a, it's, it's a whole new world over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so before you started working. you know at the sportsman's warehouse and at vapor trail and stoker eyes were you in the outdoors at all i mean were you were you a hunter still at that point in your life okay yeah i grew up 
um, really wanting to hunt. I didn't, you know, my dad did some rifle hunting, you know, for whitetails, but he, you know, he would go out. It was like kind of a once a year thing, go up north with his buddies and, you know, they'd uh, deer hunt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, basically party it up in a right. cabin for a right. week or whatever. But, um, you know, and so he kind of got, I was really jazzed up about wanting to do that. And I can't really remember what, what it was that really had me uh, excited or kind of gave me the itch to hunt. Mm -hmm. I'm not really too sure. I mean, Jeremiah Johnson was, was one of my favorite movies and oh, heck yeah. you know, so might have something to do with that. I was a big Rambo fan too. So like shooting a bow, you know, would have been, <laughs> you know, pretty cool. So how old are you? Uh, I'm 42. Okay, so me and you probably you you mentioned Ram like our our life is probably on the same path as far as movies, Nintendo, sure. like all that mm -hmm. stuff, you know, the outdoors. Yeah, I get it, man. I get it. Yep. Yeah, so I think that's what's kind of planted the bug and so yeah. and then my dad started taking me out deer hunting and and then I would also go out grouse hunting with some friends. I had a few buddies that were boy scouts, so we did a lot of camping, we did a lot yeah. of fishing, we did all that kind of stuff as much as we possibly could. So, yeah. That's kind of what stemmed all of that for me. I think it would be cool cuz in Rambo in Rambo's first blood, he didn't have the bow yet. He had the bow in like the second movie. Yeah, where, where he yeah. saves his love interest from like a, a like a, a camp, some kind of camp or something like that, yep. right? Yeah, okay. Yep. Just imagine mm -hmm. that guy who's like, "Hey, dude, how did you become interested in bow hunting?" Well, true story. I watched uh, I watched Rambo two, and I said to myself, <laughs> "I want to be a bow hunter." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. And it's funny to think too, because like I'm I'm kind of excited to get. Um, my wife has a 10 year old, um, he's my stepson and I'm, I, I probably watched the Rambo movies at that age and it was yeah. maybe a little bit too young for me at that point. Cause right. it is a rated R movie. I, I want to show him those movies so bad. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I tell you what, when you're 12, we'll, we'll watch them and I'll, right. I'll go through and, you know, censor out some things that maybe you shouldn't see, but I'm like, you got to watch those movies. They're great. Absolutely. Oh man. Um, that's awesome. So, uh, at what age? did you, did you kick it off? And I mean, are, you know, so you mentioned you had your, your dad went to deer camp, but then yeah. at, like, at what age were you like, okay, I love this stuff. I want to, I want to get more into it. I would say it was probably eight or nine, something like that, because my first in Minnesota, the first year you could hunt was at 12. Yeah. Uh, and now the rules have changed a little bit. As long as you're accompanied by a, um, a licensed adult, you can go out almost at any age. And, but I would, you know, so th there was a few years before that where dad and I would just go road hunt. I'd jump in the car and we'd just go drive around all day and see if we could find some deer, you know, mm -hmm. he'd drive around public land and we had a few, uh, private spots that we could hunt too. So we would just drive around and, uh, so that's kind of where the itch started, I suppose. And then the archery thing didn't really didn't really take place until I was 16. Um, I bought a bow from a friend's dad. It was a PSE Polaris that I still have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just shoot in the backyard and everything like that. But I never actually hunted until I was in college. So yeah. when I was eight, 18 or 19. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. And then like, so I wasn't, it wasn't for me until 26 where I had like a, a, a flip switch moment where I was like, I'm, I identify as this now. I'm going to be this. Yeah. I want to do this. 
thing. Did like at what point in your life did you have that moment? Um, as far as like really wanting to hunt, like, just like it's all I think life. about. It's all I want to do. I don't care about it. I don't ter- care about collecting stamps. I don't care about sports. I don't care <laughs> about all the you know like, you know what I mean. All everybody yeah. has their thing, and my yep. thing is bow hunting. Yeah, it was definitely when uh, when I first started working for Sportsman's Warehouse. That was okay. in two thousand five. Okay, because um, I got I got a new bow and got it all outfitted out, and it was just it was miraculous to me. I could not believe that bows had come so far. Yeah. And uh, when I shot, it was a Bowtech Allegiance two thousand five Bowtech Allegiance, mm-hmm. and I just absolutely loved that bow. Uh, and um, and then a few years down the road, got a few animals under my belt, and then a few years down the road, I got onto their promotional staff and I shot for them for a better part of a decade. Okay. So, um, uh, and then it just kind of got to a point they, they took kind of more of a target stance and I had already kind of, uh, put it out there that I was like, Hey, I just, you know, life's getting too busy. I don't have a lot of time to do all these events and stuff like that. So I would rather just buy a bow. I don't, you know, I don't need to be on a promotional staff and they kept me on a little bit, but again, I think once they needed to trim the fat, then I was one of the first to go. So, which is fine because it was kind of cool to be able to now explore a little bit more, shoot other manufacturers and play around with different bows. So, yeah, it's funny, man. My story is not too different from yours. Mine was 2006 and my first bow that I bought with my own money was a, a Bowtech uh, tribute, like the, nice. next, the yep. next year's bow from, from yep. what you had. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, same, same type of thing, man. It was, uh, that's wild. Yeah. Crazy. And yeah. so, you know, what was it about the, cause sometimes people, they get into something, they say, this is hard or this is different for me. And they put a little energy into it, but then they don't come back to it because they, they failed. What was it about bow hunting that kept you coming back every single year and making it your thing? Oh man. I mean, just the, just the time, uh, and away, you know, that's the big one. Uh, and it's tough for me cause I have, um, I have ADHD. So for me to sit in a tree and be calm and all that kind of stuff, it's, I'm really flexing those muscles yeah. hard. And I need that. I have to have that time. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I just I start to get a little bit stir crazy. And then, of course, the icing on the cake. Anytime you you know you kill an animal, it's just uh, you, it, you can't explain that feeling, right? Yeah. Uh, you just have to experience it for yourself. And so uh, that's really kind of what got me got me hooked. And then when I went out west for the first time too, that was probably in 06, I think. And I didn't have a bow in my hand. I was just following a buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, you know, to chase after him was a whole new ball game for me too, yeah. you know? And so that really got me, I was like, man, you know, I do enjoy the time sitting in a tree, but I enjoy being outside even more and having the ability to like chase after him. Yeah. So that really planted a bug. Uh, and every time I have a new experience, it's like the the bug gets even stronger. The yeah. first time I went out, the first time I went elk hunting, I was like, oh man, this is going to be my life from here on out. I yeah. mean, <laughs> if I could afford to do it every year, I would. Right. But, right. So <clears throat> let me ask you uh, a question here. Um, ADHD. So I know people who, you know, they have ADHD and they're not mm-hmm. good at sitting in one spot for long periods of time. You know, they get antsy and they want to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What is it like having ADHD and sitting in a tree stand for hours at a time? It, it's, it's tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, all, in all honesty, ha- having a phone in my hand actually helps quite a bit. Okay. 
but I have to be careful with that because sometimes you get a little bit too distracted. You're not yep. paying attention. Uh, but it does help me sit still. Like I, I hold my hand, my phone in my hands down low and then just, you know, I can just kind of move my eyes down and, and watch and mm-hmm. it helps stop me from moving. But again, I do have to take those moments where, uh, I just put it away, put it in my pocket mm-hmm. and then just, and you just think, you know, yeah. that's one of the things with ADHD is there's like, I don't want to say like, I'm crazy. Like there's voices going on in my head, but yeah. there's just a lot of, there's a lot of noise. All there's the time. activity. So yeah. Constantly thinking about this and that. And, mm-hmm. um, Oh, what am I going to do here? And what, what, you know, so just yeah. all these thoughts just constantly brewing and brewing in my head. But, yeah. um, again, it helps me to flex that muscle of just yeah. slowing down, relaxing, because it is very difficult for me to, I always have to be moving. I always got to be doing something. And yeah. so, I mean, in a way it's been part of my success and at sometimes too, it's also been, uh, you know, kind of a thorn in the side too. Yeah. So <laughs> I can definitely see how that would, you know, like, unknowingly sometimes people need to be so so for me when i'm out west and i'm going through a a period where i haven't seen a mule deer all day long or Mm -hmm. whatever and i i need to become motivated to go over that next ridge and look yeah keep looking and keep looking where it sounds to me like your mind doesn't allow you to accept that and you just automatically it's like you're it's almost sounds like you're on autopilot and it's like it's it's no problem for you to just keep going and going and going and going yeah i mean well that's part you know if you if you break it down if you break down the science of what adhd does it's a deficiency of dopamine um reaching the executive function portion of the brain which is the frontal lobe so every little tiny hit of dopamine that you can get it helps you focus and helps you move forward so just like you're saying that next hill is that hit gotcha and then and then the struggle too you know so that's a big part that's a big part of it you know people getting into ice baths and doing all that kind of stuff where you put your body through some stress Mm -hmm. and then your body tries to go into this state of homeostasis and bring you back up to you know your normal levels and it kind of slingshots you into a into a a feeling of like euphoric feeling or like a kind of like a body buzz. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how it works. Just that next, you couldn't have explained it any better. Just getting over that next ridge and wanting to see what's over there. Okay. Nothing next ridge. What's over there. And then that struggle to get there um, feeds that also. Yeah. So is it difficult for you to sit and practice archery then, or is it, is the, the shot and the process actually helpful that process is actually very helpful okay uh and and so here's the thing is i i've always kind of proclaimed or just you know assumed and joked about having adhd the majority of my life but i was just diagnosed like last year okay and so having that awareness all of a sudden is like oh wow you know this is okay and then i was actually talking there's a um there's a gal that comes into our pro shop a lot with her kids and they all love archery and a lot of them have adhd as well and she says very common for someone with adhd to shoot a bow because it because of the therapy therapy that you get from it yeah um just that because it's not all just about not being able to focus in a lot of cases it's about hyper focus Mm And so it gives you that ability to go down the checklist. You draw the bow back, you, you know, you line up your peep, all those things that are in that checklist that are in your head. And so just having, being able to have that ability to hyper-focus definitely feeds it and, and helps yeah. quite a bit. Man, I feel like this type of conversation should be, should be yelled from the mountaintops. Like, Hey man, yeah. you want to, you want to get your kid 
to settle down or you want to find an activity for them to do where it, where you know they can sit and concentrate and and it will it will actually help them i feel like yeah. your message and your story that you've had is a perfect idea for a parent who might be struggling with a kid with adhd yeah yeah for sure and it's funny you say that because i i haven't figured out how i'm going to do it i've been kind of reaching out to um, some some guests to try to find somebody who could maybe supplement that conversation on our podcast because I yeah. would like to have that conversation um, and and again to your point bring it to light yeah. and say hey look like this might be an avenue to help your kids man so if, cool you know with that yeah yeah, yeah. well thanks for sharing that man uh, yeah. um, so you you just mentioned right there that you guys just started a podcast. Um, that's on the sportsman's empire. You, you reached out yeah. to me and you're like, Hey, I got this idea. What do you think? And we started talking and it was a great idea. And, and so talk to us a little bit about, uh, your guys's new podcast, what that's about and, uh, and what, what people should expect to see, hear on that, on those podcasts. Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's called the range and, uh, it's inspired by the range that we have here in our pro shop. Uh, and we've got the, the largest indoor range in the, in the Minneapolis area, it's 40 yards indoors and uh, just trying to bring back that old range feel. Mm -hmm. uh, so my co-host Hollywood, he, him and I used to shoot at a place that had, we had 24 hour access. You had a key that you could get into the building and, and you could just go there. And, and a lot of times you'd just go to shoot and there might be three, four other guys there. And then you'd kind of start telling some stories and they had a pizza cooker and, kind of an honor system they had a fridge that had snacks and candy and pop and all that kind of stuff so it was all honor system you threw 50 cents in the jar and uh, it was just a really cool um, place to go and so we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit and so we want to try to with up uh, with our facility we want to kind of try to bring that back and so yeah. with that comes those conversations right where I you know I said to Hollywood I go man like we could just we just need to record these conversations we're having because I mean, why not? You know, maybe some people will be entertained, maybe some won't, but again, why not? You know, and again, to, to also help generate some of that brand awareness, because like I had mentioned before, 30 years in the business, and there's a lot of people that don't know about us yet. So yeah. it, in a way, it's like, I was like, man, there's so many podcasts. You see that a lot where it's like, oh, well, what's going to, how are you going to set yourself apart from everybody else? There's so many different podcasts out there. And yeah. um, be that as it may, again, still, it's just, you know, we're, we're already having these conversations, you know, let's, let's organize them into a, a conversation where we're talking about not just hunting, but we're also getting on the target side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, Hollywood's got a lot more experience in that area than I do. And then we've got, you know, our pro staff, we've got a number of people that shoot target uh, and that know about it really well. And so we can get a lot of feedback from them. We, we, we plan to interview some of those folks. And then again, too, as far as the hunting realm goes, I mean, been doing this for quite some time so got a lot of connections a lot of different people that we can talk to about hunting in general and bow hunting and yeah. being outside just everything foraging you know I've, mm -hmm. I've gotten really really into that lately and now i'm trying to be a farmer too so <laughs> there you go um so just all kinds of things that we can talk about you know about yeah. just kind of going back to the simpler lifestyle you know yeah. and so that's a tough struggle for me because I'm so immersed in technology every day, but then I want to be on the other end of the spectrum as well. So it's like this constant struggle for me, you know, yeah. back and forth, back and forth. So, yeah, man, I, I, I tell you, it's, uh, 
I, I don't know. There, there's there's a lot of podcasts out there that talk about, you know, in, in a roundabout way, talk about the same thing. But the cool mm-hmm. thing about what you guys are doing is like, uh, like you're it's coming from the conversations that are sparked at the target range or at, at the target range and not necessarily just a bunch of hunters who are, yeah. you know, talking about big buck tactics and things like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, that, I mean, and that's part of the reason why I said, Hey, let's, uh, let's do this thing. And, and, uh, and now you guys got, I think, I think, uh, you got two, ep- three episodes out or two as of right now, two, two, um, two, two plus the intro. Yeah. Uh, and so the third one it will come out on the 29th. 29th. There you go. All right. So next next week, yep. this upcoming week, Monday. All right. Cool. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about some of your favorite favorite hunts. And I, and I don't mean like a specific hunt, but you mentioned elk. And it sounds to yep. me that elk hunting kind of caught you a little bit from, yeah. from what oh, I've, yeah. from what I've gathered so far, talk to us about what, what it is about elk hunting that, uh, kind of captivates you. Well, you kind of get, you get the best of both worlds. So I, I really, uh, love to mule deer hunt. Mm-hmm. And so you've, you get that aspect rolled into it, but now you're, now you're able to locate them with calls. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, it's a combination of spot and stock for mule deer, but then you've, you've got some, you know, turkey, hunting type tactics that you use Mm -hmm. to try to locate them and you know i like to turkey hunt i just i don't get the bug like some guys do and so and maybe it has something to do with me being a terrible turkey hunter and (laughs) and not being able to be successful in the woods but there's something about like the moments when i was in the mountains and having some close encounters with elk and it just puts shivers up your spine when you've when you've got one under 20 yards bugling it's it is just the most intense experience one of the most intense experiences i've ever had and even then like to be just camped out there uh you know and just listening to the elk bugle at night it really kind of reminds me of the north woods here in minnesota when you hear the loons calling it's very it's similar to that for me yeah and just a just all around very surreal experience for as long as i've been hunting you know you get out into that type of environment and there's just a, there's an excitement that it's like just a new thing. And I I mean, I, I didn't have any success when I was out there, uh, but just the whole experience was, was unbelievable. So many encounters with, with elk. Uh, We actually ran into um, a group of gentlemen hunting from Wisconsin. Uh, They're all in their late sixties and seventies. And just so cool to see them up there in the mountains, nine miles back, mm-hmm. you know, and still out there elk hunting. They do it every year together. Yeah. They've got pack horses up there, you know, so it gives them a little greater ability to, you know, makes them a little bit more mobile. Super nice guys said, hey, if you guys shoot an elk, let us know. We'll pack it out for you, you know. And um, during the trip, I had shot a few grouse with my bow, so I was like, giving them the grouse as payment to, you know, in, in the event that we shot an elk to help us carry it out, you know, and so – just a, the whole thing was just awesome. Yeah. The whole experience. I'll tell you this right now, man. You, you want to talk about memories that are ingrained into your, like your being, your your mind, your soul, dude. Yeah. I had we had this this bull elk. He was bedded, but every time my buddy bugled, he bugled back, and it and so we yeah. were able to locate him. 
we got in into 40 yards on him and he, my buddies started picking up like dead trees and throwing them and smashing them and just like <laughs> making this gigantic commotion down yeah. at the bottom of this little or in this low part of this drainage we we're at we were we were at about i think just under eleven thousand feet at, at this sure. point and mm-hmm. this this elk stood up out of his bed and it was very thick in there but i could just kind of see the rat come up and he bugled again and like these moment those moments in this whole interaction i feel like it just happened yesterday and that yeah. was several years ago and it, it's so vivid um, mm-hmm. when, when you have an encounter like that, I don't get that when I'm sitting in a tree stand and I, or I shouldn't say I don't get it. I get very few of them yeah. uh, in the amount of time that I spend deer hunting compared to this, the, this one event that happened in this one mm-hmm. year. And so, yeah. I don't know, man, it, it, it's, a, it's amazing when, when it all comes together. Yeah, I mean, and they're just like you're saying, they're such powerful animals. Yeah. I, I mean, there I had a moment where uh I kind of was trying to work my way in on this bull and uh I had actually intercepted another one that was just feeding. Mm-hmm. And he kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I was kind of out in the open and he picked his lifted his head up and looked at me. And all I could do was just pray that my camel worked well, you know, and just slowly tried to kind of tip the brim of my hat so that I could try to hide my eyes and hope that he would put his head back down and offer me a shot. And he didn't, he ended up spinning around and kind of taking off. And, uh, my buddy was calling down the hill from me, um, to try to get this other bull to come my direction. And anyway, long story short, this bull runs off and then. I don't know, 10 minutes later or something like that, you can just hear all this commotion. I mean, it, it sounded like a bulldozer going through the, going through the woods. Yeah. And uh, we got over to where all the noises were coming from. And that bull had raked a, probably an eight foot pine tree. And all that was left was it was a toothpick sticking up out of yeah. the ground. I mean, ripped every branch off of it. It was just in complete total shambles. I was just blown away by just, I mean, just the sheer strength that they the have. The power that they, they have to have to do that. Yeah. It's just crazy. Un- unbelievable. And right. we all, we got so close to getting him to come back in too. And he just, he was a little skittish and yeah. I wasn't able to get a shot. So that would have, but that would have, for my first bull, that would have been a nice, it was a nice five by five. That would have been a good bull. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. That's a fact, man. We, we were at yeah. uh, that same meadow uh, in Colorado, uh, like two years, like it was a two, like a year later or two years later, uh, mm-hmm. we went up and did the same thing again. And we had this, we, we got lucky and it was, uh, they were right at the bottom of this meadow. And this meadow, this meadow went from about 10,000 feet all the way up to tree line. So you could see where the trees stop. It was just one giant mm-hmm. meadow. It was actually an avalanche shoot that, yeah. you know, that, uh, that didn't grow back. It turned into this mm-hmm. grass thing. Anyway, man, this one bull caught like he he was started hammering at us and i saw this elk with my bear like with my eyes for the first time and it looked like a painting like the the steam <laughs> like when he bugled you could see the steam coming out of his mouth uh oh, and then the uh uh any uh, i'm guessing he's 350 like a 350 mm. caliber bull and that was the biggest yeah. that's a big bull for yeah. for colorado in that in that unit and i was just like holy cow dude like 
please come to me. But he stayed with the cows <laughs> and he, and then next thing you know, they cover a mile in like 10 steps and yeah. here our little legs are trying to keep up. So <clears throat> yeah, they can move quick. They can, they can. And yeah. so where, what all States have you hunted for elk? Uh, just Idaho. Just Idaho. Okay. Mainly. All right. Yeah. Is, and is I didn't that steep where you're at. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not too bad. Okay. Uh, it was, you know, there's obviously some areas that, you know, can get pretty steep, but you know, it, it wasn't too terribly bad. Yeah. What elevation really were you guys at? Oh gosh. Um, I, I honestly can't remember now. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was 2019 when we went out there. So I'm, I'd throw a number out there, but I'd probably be wrong. So yeah, yeah. I just I just remembered uh, getting. So we drove 18 hours from Iowa. It was 18 hours for me, 18 or 19 from Iowa to the town, and then we stopped and got gas, bought our tags in, in Idaho, went to the trailhead, and started walking on no sleep, no acclimation. Oh, no. oh dude, it was that. It was a very tough first. That was 2014. Very, very tough. My legs were not working at all that 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 trip, and so um, I had to learn how to acclimate for 24 hours before I started doing anything physical. You know, like I don't know. Anyway, um, how many times have you been out there in total? Just once. Just one. Oh, okay. Just yep. once. So I've only yeah. So I've only hunted elk the one time. And is it something that you plan um, on doing again here pretty soon? Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, well this year I didn't draw uh, my North Dakota mule deer tag and then I was relying on a Minnesota bear tag, but I did not draw that either. So then I was thinking about going out to Colorado OTC. Uh, I've got a buddy who lives out there that can get us on some good ground where we yeah. hopefully won't run into too many hunters. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still kind of debating whether it's in the, um, whether it's in the budget right now, I still got to kind of try to figure that out because I still have some deer meat and stuff from last year. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, trying to debate whether I, whether I should, should go or if I should just save my money, yeah. um, just focus on whitetails this year and then have, you know, a little bit of extra cash to maybe do something, you know, cause I've been applying for points out there, but you know, so then I can, you know, maybe yeah. try to get a, you know, a, a tag in a better unit. So yeah. maybe I'll do that. But, um, while you were talking there, I was, I'm looking up on Onyx maps here. The, uh, so I was at, we were at 9,000 feet, 9,000. Yeah. We were at that between 75 and 95 when we were out in Idaho and even that was still tough for me. But then I can like, I remember my first day in Colorado, my first hike in, we, we took, so we got into, we got into, um, uh, Western Colorado. We drove all the way through the night, got into Western Colorado, then took mm -hmm. an entire day to just chill and then take, yeah. then sleep and then go hit it hard. That, that next morning we went up to the mountain, set up camp, and then we started going. And mm -hmm. that saved my, I believe, I truly believe that saved my life because yeah. I, I don't know what I would do at, you know, 10, 10, 8, 11, the, the one year we got to like 11, two, I think it was. Jesus, yeah. so just no legs, no legs. <laughs> and I'm a flatlander, you know? So, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. My buddy, my buddy that I went out there with, he, uh, part of the reason why I ended up going with him, he, he asked me to go because he was running ultra marathons at that time. Okay. So he wanted, he was looking for somebody that could, 
try to that could keep up mm-hmm. and i was like well i you know i i don't know if i'm the right guy but i trained and practiced and and hiked and wore my pack and did all that as much as i possibly could here but there's only so much you can do oh yeah uh it does not prepare you for you know for the mountains and when we when we got up there uh you know first day found a spot to, to camp and then the next goal was to find water it's like yeah. okay we got to find our water and the first two sp- our first three spots that we went to didn't they were dried up so we had to keep looking keep looking keep looking and we covered a ton of ground and i was like i looked at them at the end of the day i was like i I don't know if i can do this i think i'm yeah i was beat i was dead uh but after just like you said i you know it took a day and i got acclimated and then my body showed up and then i was i was in much better shape after that but yeah it it took a minute i was it was definitely a humbling experience right Especially when, like, the hardest part for me was keeping up on the hydration. Like, yeah. I I was drinking what I felt was like was two liters every f- every four hours. I would say I was drinking yeah. water that fast, and I was still my my urine was almost brown because it was I was so dehydrated so I was just like oh my god I and then so the one day I just had to take a day off and I just all yeah. I did was just pound water until my stomach hurt and yeah. that that I think that helped me get through the rest of those hunts smart yeah yeah, yeah. smart so outside of elk you mentioned mule deer uh, have you been mm-hmm. doing a lot of that as well uh and not in the recent years yeah i hunted uh north dakota for many years and then uh it started you know they had some hard winters and and the, the deer population was was uh decimated well not yeah. decimated but it, it got hurt pretty bad yeah and so then it got a little bit more difficult as a non-resident to get a tag so then i started going to south dakota yep. uh went to south dakota for a few years but now they've added some restrictions as far as like certain places that you can access now as a non-resident. Mm-hmm. And so after spending three years of, uh, you know, scouting and hunting and doing all that kind of stuff. And we finally found our spot that we really like to hunt. And, um, you know, again, with time being so limited, it's hard for me to justify going out there and not having a high percentage of filling a tag. So, yeah. you know, I try to figure out, I'm always trying to, you know, adjust and figure out where, uh, where my time can be spent best and have the best probabilities of bringing home some meat. So, yeah. cause that's really ultimately what I'm concerned about. Okay. Obviously shooting a big buck is nice, but uh, you know, if, if I, if the opportunity presents itself on the last day, I'll lace a doe if I can, you know, yeah. so I'm not really too concerned about all that, but uh, so South Dakota put restrictions on. So then now I've North Dakota's population has kind of rebounded uh, and so I've been applying there for the last couple of years. Uh, cause I, I have a, I have a buddy who lives out there that I've wanted to hunt with for quite some time. We've been talking about it for about five years. So, okay. um, I didn't draw this year, but I should now draw next year. So gotcha. I'll get back out there and do that. But I'd also, I would, I'd love to get out to some, uh, Western States a little bit further out. I just, you know what I mean? Like Damn. I found some spots, I found spots in the Dakotas that are close and why not, you know, exactly. so. Uh, and the the tags are relatively inexpensive as well, so that yeah. that's always uh, that's always helpful. But one of these days, I'm sure I'll get out to Montana for the elk mule deer combo and yeah. try that and you know all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I just found out I drew South Dakota this year. You know they right on. I didn't think I was going to uh, because the, the number <laughs> yeah. of tags that they 
that they cut for non-residents um and yeah. how now it's you know it was apply but it was a guaranteed draw now mm-hmm. now i you don't i don't know what the percentage is and, and so i got lucky when i drew and yeah. uh, i was talking to you know someone else uh, about this i believe last week and like I, I almost planned not to draw South Dakota because I didn't have any preference points and it, you know, it was, sure. who knows what, what it was going to be. And so I right. planned not to draw, but now I'm probably going to draw Kansas too. I'm, I'm saying I have okay. a decent shot. So I was yeah. hoping that I could not draw Kansas and, uh, or draw Kansas, but not South Dakota and then start a, a flip flopping year rotation on them but now Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna have to hunt both places this year and yeah and then next year find a different state to hunt because those two will be off the table again if i had to guess so who knows yeah who knows what will (laughs) happen yeah you never know man yep yep what like where does where does does your one experience with elk rank with your your mule deer experiences like if you could hunt elk every year would you would you hunt or would you rather hunt mule deer yeah i mean if i if i lived in a western state i would elk would be my priority right but it's not and there's no mule deer in minnesota so so, i mean so is it mule deer just for just because it's closer that and that and the you know cost yeah absolutely that's a that's a big factor you know just again um i i am a i'm a better mule deer hunter i would say mostly just because of the experience that i have and i know that i have a greater chance of filling my tag so that's probably the route that i would go if 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 at all possible and you know right now too with uh my daughter she's two and a half years old so yeah as she as she starts to get a little bit older, then that's going to be, you know, it'll be a little bit easier for me to get out, you know, yeah. and, and funds aren't going to be quite as critical. Yeah. And so hopefully that's going to open up some doors. Plus then I, I plan on her being a, a hardcore hunter. So she'll be able to join <laughs> me on some of those adventures, Heck but yeah, you know, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I, I just, um, yeah, the mule deer is, you know, just because of it's, it's more cost effective. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Pound for pound, pound for pound, you know, it, it it's, less costly i'll I'll say this man i I talked to my wife actually here's how the conversation started my daughter said hey dad can i go to your south dakota or your nebraska hunt with you this year or or can Mm -hmm. i go west with you and i said well sweetheart the problem is is you have school and i don't Mm -hmm. you know you can't get pulled out of school so i was talking to my wife um about this and my wife and me kind of came to the consensus that an opportunity like this, I feel she'll get more of an education on, on a, a hunt like this, me pulling her out of school. And so I actually, in yeah. the next couple of years, might be pulling her out of school for a week to yeah. take her on one of these hunts where I kind of hunt for my truck and yeah. s- see if she likes it and, and see. It probably won't be for near as long of a, a mm-hmm. time frame, but it would be just a good experience for her to come out her legs are long enough to where I, f- I feel like she could we could go do kind of an easier type hunt and mm-hmm. uh I, I have some contacts where I could park my my truck in some good spots and get onto some walk-in or get onto some public that yeah. uh would just be beneficial for her so I, I mm-hmm. man that that's in my future and I'm excited for that yeah 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 for sure 
I look forward to um, trying to get them out. And, and um, my wife's son, Coda, you know, he's 10 now. He loves grouse hunting. He likes yeah. to hit the trails and walk. You know, he's not real big on sitting in a blind and doing all that kind of stuff or sitting in a tree. He'd rather, he'd rather move around. So right. I hope someday to try to get him out and do some of that kind of stuff too, just to run around in the hills and, yeah. and have, have a blast. Cause even if it, there's never been a year that I go out there that I don't find a couple sheds too, you yeah. know, so there's usually some treasures out there that you can find uh, amongst uh, the, you know, the time spent. So, yeah. Let me ask you this. You, you mentioned like your priority is kind of meat. Um, talk to, talk to me about your thought process on that and how you've made the decision. It's not necessarily about antlers, but it's about meat for, for you. So, I mean, it, I guess it's always kind of been that way. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Grew up eating venison. Um, I honestly didn't really like it when I was growing up cause my mom didn't cook it well. Yep. Uh, and it, until I found out how to really prepare it, I was like, not really a big fan. Yeah. And, uh, but now I'm just like, absolutely love it. My family, not so much. Um, but so in order for me, in order for us to get through it now and, and utilize it, we do a lot of sticks, we do a lot of sausage, we yep. do a lot of that kind of stuff. And we end yep. up eating a lot of it. Um, you know, of course, backstraps and all that kind of stuff, you know, I always got to you know, bacon wrap those and throw them on the smoker for a few hours. So that's, you know, those are always going to be reserved for the better stuff, but, Heck yeah. uh, but th I mean, that's for me, you know, we, you know, I eat a deer every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if my family ate more of it, you know, I'd, I'd maybe go through two, but, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's it for me. You know, I, again, I, I, I want more value for my buck when I, when I spend time doing these things and, and also, just trying to, again, like I was saying with that struggle with like technology that we have today. And then also, you know, getting, I, I have this draw towards more traditional skill sets. And so I want to, I want to know and understand how to use those. And, and, and so I want to teach my family, you know, in the event that who knows what could happen in the world, right? Yeah. Like we can survive. You can be so, prepared for it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And even if we can't do everything right, we, you know, you go back to the old, um, bartering system, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, I trade a little bit of meat for, you know, some broccoli. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I would say, I, I can tell you I'm a much better hunter than I am a farmer, but there you go. There <laughs> I'm you working go. on that. <laughs> Man, like from a hypothetical standpoint, if the world goes, just imagine how crazy initially it would get if, all these people, you know, a majority of the people live in these giant cities. If all of a sudden things just got shut off, right? Yeah. Like the whole district, the food distribution chain got shut off. Where, where's all this? I mean, holy cow. Everybody would start heading towards the Midwest because that's where all the food is. And mm -hmm. there would, we would have to defend our, you know, we'd have to blow up the bridges between Illinois and Iowa so no one could cross the rivers and, and we'd have to get the, uh, oh man, it's like a, it'd be yeah. a movie. It'd be, it's a Netflix yeah. special. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Water is very concerning for me there too. There you go. You know, absolutely. So, um, but who knows, you know, yeah. maybe I, I, I'm not a crazy prepper by any means, <laughs> but at the same time, like I just have this draw, you know, like I yeah. feel like I was just born in the wrong generation. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, so you're telling me you're not gonna bury a shipping container and turn it into like a uh, a warhead bunker. Oh, I've thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> but more for 
but more as like a as a seller to store food. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to a, a bomb shelter. Okay, but. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, so so then it's just it's just like the main focus is. So for me, I focus on an older age class deer, and usually that comes with bigger antlers. Um, mm. Not all the time, but sometimes that's the benefit, and. Mm then I get the, the, it's, it's not necessarily the secondary thing, but with that comes meat, right? It's, mm-hmm. I'm not like, Hey, I'm going to go shoot a doe just cause I want meat. I'm trying to accomplish a goal. And the other benefit is that I get meat out of that too. So, um, with whitetails, are you, are you focusing on an age or at uh, age or antlers at all or is it truly hey man all i care about is that i get meat in my freezer yeah i'd be lying if i said i i didn't have you know i definitely like to shoot yeah. big deer uh and i've i've passed on a lot of smaller bucks mm-hmm. you know so uh it, and i've always just kind of worked my way up started small you know and then try to outdo myself the next time and then, then outdo myself the next time and then um now i've i've kind of hit a peak where i i I may have shot the biggest whitetail I ever will. So again, so my standards have to then kind of go back down to a normal level, right? Where, yeah. um, but I'm, I, you know, I, I do kind of focus, if I'm going to shoot a buck, I do want it to try to, I, I want it to be above that 125 Pope yeah. and young if, if possible. Um, I am still waiting on a good opportunity to, uh, to shoot a buck that get, you know, would provide me a good set of rattling antlers. There you go. And, and that just hasn't quite happened yet. Cause they're either too small or, they come through early in the season and I let them pass because I don't want to fill my tag just quite yet. And then I don't, and then I don't see them again. So, (laughs) so two questions or uh, one question here. What was this, what was this big buck that you shot that you don't think you're ever going to, you're ever going to tap? So I was in a a Metro hunt um, Mm -hmm. down in the South Southern part of Minneapolis and uh, not like in Minneapolis, but in yeah. a, a southern suburb. And um, nobody had seen this buck out there at all. And it was like the last last day of the hunt. I hunted, I think, nine days straight, okay. uh, full, full sits, all day sits. And last day, I was just kind of like, okay, it's not going to happen or whatever. And then so this, there's a nature center um, nearby. So I'm assuming that's kind of where he was hanging out. And some does probably drew him out because it was November 17th. Okay. Or uh, November 19th. Okay. Um, this was in, this was in 2017. And so, um, but yeah, he, I, I honestly didn't even know what I had, what I had gotten. I, you know, when I first laid eyes on him through my binoculars, I was like, okay, he's a big deer. I'm definitely no, no hesitation. Um, if he comes in, he's, he's going to get it. And just did a couple of buck grunts and he came in, shot him at 19 yards and it wasn't a, it was, wasn't a good shot. I kind of freaked out and, and had a bad shot, got shot. He kind of ran off. I watched him. We gave him the day, went back out later in the day. Uh, and then we bumped him, but he was hurting. He was, he was hurting bad. He couldn't run. And so, um, he was kind of moving away. So I made this big circle and tried to get out in front of him and cut him off. Uh, and I wasn't able to get into position in time. So then thought, all right, 
we'll come back later tomorrow. And, you know, he, he was, he laid down, we figured he laid down in this little thicket where he'd probably still be in the morning. Yeah. And so as I was on my way out, because it was the last day of the hunt, I had to pull my stand. So I was on my way walking out to pull my stand. And of course I, I made sure that I had an arrow knocked in case I came across him. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, um, caught him in my peripheral about 15 yards off the trail I was walking. Wow. And so I just stopped next, stopped behind the next tree, got down on my knees, drew my bow and just kind of, you know, slid out to the side just, just so I could get my arrow around that tree and just put it right through his chest and yeah. down he went. Well, that's so, awesome, man. What well, now, how big was he? Do, do uh, he, he grossed 179 and then, uh, netted only 161 because yeah. he had Whatever he had some man. uh yeah he had some little sticker points on there so you know i lost i lost length on those and all yeah, that kind of stuff you can't but, count you can't count what that deer grew definitely can't do right? that get out of here yep. with that. that's uh yeah so yeah. You, you shot a 179 inch buck dude that's a giant and yeah. uh i got kind of going back to your rattling you're looking for a deer with rattling antlers one time i uh was hanging out uh, this this friend of mine i i went to high school with he is a killer. Like the dude shoots giant deer. And if there's no giant deer, like he's killed enough deer where he's just like, I, I may not hunt this year unless something shows up on trail camera type of type mm-hmm. of guy. Like he's looking for the primo deer. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I'm in his truck one time and he had his ra- rattling antlers sitting on his front front seat. And I go, Jesus, man, like, is this a set you showcase in your house? He's like, no, these are my <laughs> rattling antlers. And it was like a rattling, it was, it was like 180 inch, 180, like 184, he said he measured it, if, if the spread was whatever. And I go, dude, you're using these as your rattling antlers. He's like, yeah, man, if you want to rattle in a booner, you got to use booner sheds. And I'm just like, yep. oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny yeah yeah cool. well i tell you what ricky man I, i'm i'm really uh excited to see what you guys do with the range and some of the content that you guys put out on that podcast uh and for everybody that's listening you can check that out on the sportsman's empire feed you can check it out they have a an individual rss feed as well you can go to the sportsman's empire website and see their profile page and check out the content that they're putting out there and so i'm looking forward to that and uh, as always man good luck this upcoming season yeah thanks i appreciate it yeah as far as the the podcast goes we're just getting into the swing of it and um you know we got through history now so we we got through the all the informational portion of it so it's really exciting to get start getting into just having some of these really awesome conversations episode three is all going to be is all about turkey hunting Yep. have a good conversation with our director of operations who used to work for um, double bull back before they oh, were yeah. um, bought out by primos so yep. he uh, was part of that crew back in the day that helped kind of pioneer how we know about turkey hunting in a blind to this day mm-hmm. so have a great conversation with him and just looking forward to kind of getting more into the weeds with you know hunting and all that kind of stuff target shooting and everything so look forward to it and happy to be a part of the sportsman's empire you guys have been an awesome family and um you know just everybody supports everybody it's just it's really been been great a a great community to work with for sure awesome man well hey thanks again for showing up today no problem thanks for having me i appreciate it 
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Ricky. Huge shout out to all of you guys for taking time out of your day to hop on the podcast. Huge or to listen to the podcast, download it. Do me a solid. Go leave a five star review on uh, iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Let everybody know how awesome this this podcast is. And then Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, and uh, that's it. So, good vibes in, good vibes out, and we'll talk to you next week.